many of you have said to me that this short time of simply just sharing a greeting with somebody else around is very precious to you on Sunday morning that you look forward to simply just shaking your hands, shaking hands for a few minutes. And uh, so I rejoice in that. Well, during February, my sermons are going to deal with money. I mentioned this last week. You know, Jesus had a lot to say about money, about having money, about spending money, about in, uh, uh, attitude, about money, and so forth. And one of the things Jesus said was, look, if God's a good father, and so like any legitimate father or parent, if somebody asked, if a child asked a parent for bread, is the parent going to give them a stone? And of course, the answer, the implication is no. Of course not. And then he said, well, neither will God. If you need bread and you ask God for bread, he's not going to give you a stone. And so that causes me to say, well, what if God asks me for bread? Am I going to give him a stone? So I want to just come or come to different issues about money and talk about the the our giving to God. And next week specifically, I want to talk about what what about when God asks us for bread? What do we give him? Um. I, by the way, am not preaching of these sermons about money because our, con- our church needs money. I am not soliciting donations. What I am doing is, uh, it, 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 I, you know, our church is amazingly generous. This congregation, uh, Eric just pointed out to us at the, uh, our board meeting last week that our giving last year exceeded $800,000 in our congregation. Uh, you give incredibly generously to the ministries of this church. The, um, so that's not at all anything of my motivation to try to solicit donations. But uh, I'm preaching these because I want to see God bless your lives. And so that you can bless the lives of other people. And so all of us can give God more than a stone. If God asks us for bread, you know, what God is really asking for when he asks us for money is our heart, our loyalty, our love. And so when he does that, we want to be able to give to him. And this morning, this time together, I would like to talk a little bit about managing money. I'm not a financial manager. I am not an investment manager. This is not going to be about how to build your budget or anything like that today. But it's clear from the Bible, the parable of the talents, if nothing else, that the person that God holds responsible to manage your life is you. You're the manager of your time. You're the manager of your your health. You're the manager of your money, not cultural expectations. You don't look around. We don't look around us and say, well, what does so-and-so expect or what's somebody else doing? I think it was Will Rogers that said, the only trouble with running a rat race is even if you win, you're still a rat. And, uh, and I know that you've all heard the, the expression that we strive like crazy to make money to buy things we don't want to impress people we don't like. And that's often many times the case, that that kind of thing happens. But... The Bible makes clear to us that we're not to base our perceptions or our, um, 
our main interest in what other people think or what we think those that we want to like us would consider. But our own self and our own goals, we talked about this last week, and that's called management. Um, I was thinking about an illustration, so I thought I would explain to you the system for food at the Raleigh household. You know, it's pretty chaotic at our house. Um, and so when it comes to food, we don't, it, it just, it's completely random. We don't even, nobody knows if this is breakfast or supper. We don't ask, we don't ask, is there two people or is there ten people? We just kind of open the refrigerator and whatever falls out, that's what we eat. And if nothing falls out, we look in the refrigerator to see why, and sometimes there's not even anything in there at all. And then we go hungry. Um, or else, like, maybe we, we look around, see what else can we find, any food. I go out in the yard, Cindy goes out in the garage, and, you know, we just, we wander around looking for food um, because we didn't happen to find any. Nothing fell out of the refrigerator, so we're out looking uh, for some we never prepare food ahead of time. We never prepare to have food ahead of time. It's just kind of, if you can find it and you're hungry, eat it. And if not, good luck. That's kind of how we do food. Now, I hope you know I'm just making this up. <laughs> I hope. Actually, at our house, uh, we do care. It does make a difference if this is breakfast or supper or if it's the two of us or if there's half a dozen other people. Um, normally, things don't fall out of our refrigerator once in a while. Something does. But there are things in there because we put them in there ahead of time because we're thinking ahead of time about the fact that, what, that we might want to come back and eat later. So it would be a good idea to put something up. We not only prepare food, we prepare to have food. It's called management. And it's, uh, it's something that most all of us uh, can do somewhat at least for food, and it applies to many other areas of life as well, including our money, to, to simply make some kind of a plan or some kind of preparation. Things don't always go according to our plan. But yesterday, I was, I was baking a couple loaves of bread. We were having this deal. We were in the kitchen. I, baked, I was baking a couple loaves of bread, and uh, man, they started out looking great, and then they go, and they fell, and they got flat and hard, and it wasn't too pretty of a picture. And my wife says, let me show you, David, let me show you how to bake bread. Did you not? <laughs> so she puts a loaf on, and this thing goes, that's <laughs> pretty cool. The Bible gives us the best principles for living. If we manage our lives well, then God will display his power in us and he will receive glory from our life, whether we have a lot of money or whether we never have very much money at all. The Bible gives us principles about managing our money. And I know my time is very limited and I'm aware of that and I'm going to get done on time. But I'm just going to mention several principles using the word manage sort of as something to hold things together. And I have to start as a Christian person, as a person whose life is 
life's goal is to follow the Lord, to acknowledge the Lord, to live out the Lord's life here, it, it has to be that the first principle of my money management would be that I put God first among all the possibilities, whatever those possibilities might be. The simple idea of putting God first in any way that I can, including my money, is the key item to manage my life. I don't, I don't, I don't eat my way through the refrigerator and then find God back here in a bin in the back corner somewhere and say, oh, I forgot I was supposed to. I was supposed to honor God. I forgot I was to give to God. I forgot put him first. And this is the I don't I'm come back to this next week. This is the principle of several things or this involves several things. First of all, I think the most foundational bedrock idea connected with money is for us to realize that God owns everything. And so the easier the the more that I put this in my mind and I understand this and I works its way down into my, my habits, the easier it will be for me, the more likely and successfully I will give to the Lord or I will be able to manage my money in a way that honors the Lord and that blesses Him and that He can use to bless me back in return. Um, here's a verse in 1 Timothy chapter 6. It says, God has given us everything. It even says that the stuff he gives to us is for us to enjoy. So uh, if you bought something or even if you made something, it doesn't mean that God didn't give it to you. This says it all came from God first and foremost. And so in the process of living, this is in 1 Timothy 6. I think this verse is actually wrong. I think that's chapter 6, verse um, 17, 18 or 19. But he says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share, lay up treasures for themselves. And in doing those kind of things, they're actually taking hold of real life. They're not just enamored with stuff. They're seeking life. And part of that, if I can go back, is to recognize that life comes from God and that the stuff we have is part of his provision for life. And so the ownership idea that God owns all things is permeates scripture. A second way that I put God first is to trust him. I, I cannot trust in money, even though I may try everything I can to have some in reserve. I cannot trust in money or what money can procure, or what money can buy. If your health is bad, you can't write a check big enough to... Cause a doctor to cure you or heal you. There's many things that money cannot buy. It's not able to. And so here's a verse in Hebrews 3 that says, or 13 that says, uh, trust God. Don't love money. Don't trust money as your, as your resource that can rescue you. Because God is in that role. God will never forsake you. And this is how we should live our lives. Our attitude should be one of trust. And then the, the fact that we all run after something, all of us. And Jesus said, well, you know, pagans run after certain kind of things. What about me as a Christian, as a believer, as a follower of God? What do I run after? Well, I think the Bible will guide us. It will give us wisdom to know what to run after. 
we just read earlier where he said, pursue eternal life. I, I want to run after that. I, I don't want to just run after a certain financial goal or having a certain possession, although those things can be wonderful and helpful. The, the main thing that I want to run after and, and pursue with my being is um, not money, but rather it's the life, it's the eternal life, the, the spiritual life of the Lord. And so I'm simply saying here that part of putting God first is seeking God's wisdom about what to run after in my life, what to pursue, what kind of goals and so forth. So, so making it simple that with all of the money or the financial issues or accountability, financial um, issues of your life, that you can say to yourself, well, the first thing I need to think about, the first thing I need to pursue, the first thing I need to be aware of is the Lord, my God, and how can I honor him? What would he have me do? And so forth. And part of that, if I can go to the A, is acknowledging the fact that God has a perspective, and it may be very different than mine, and that God has a position on certain things, that he has said, here's how I made the world, this is legitimate, this is illegitimate, this is honoring to me, and this I hate. And so reading the scriptures and studying to seek to understand from what he has told us what his perspective is, and how he will interact with me in, from my dealing with money should also be part of it. Two things that the Bible talks about, and I'm going to come back to this next week especially. One is that God's position is, I want you to put me first. And my perspective is, that means I should have first in priority in your life. And so the Lord said, I'll tell you what, here's how we establish this. This is how I know, and you keep being reminded you just give me something first, and then what's left is what is yours. But the first part is mine. This is, a, this, is, this is a position that God has set down, and he's made it a priority as a continual reminder for us. So here's one of the places, for example, where it talks about that what I give to God is the first fruit, it's called there. It's the first part. And then I build my life around what's left that after that. If I operate the opposite of that, then I'm not putting God first. I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm not living my life or thinking my thoughts in that way. And also, part of acknowledging God's perspective is that I don't have what he's given me just to keep. I don't have it just to savor it, to boast or brag over it, to, um, to re revel in it, what I have it for includes giving it away or giving, using it as a source of giving. I'm not saying that you have to just give your paycheck away in order to honor God. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that uh, God's perspective is that it's always about serving and blessing and giving to, to others. There's, here's a verse in Proverbs that I've always read with a, 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 an arched eyebrow. Every time I read this, I think, boy, if, if people, if people of the world could read this and comprehend and think why it is so, that some people give and give and give and God still blesses them. 
and they still prosper financially. Here's, here's what it says. One man gives freely. These, this is a generous person. This is a person that blesses and helps and gives and gives and gives. And they gain even more. And then here, secondly, is a stingy person. A person that, it, it's not, it, there's a difference, of course, in being able to give and willing to give. This is talking about the person that is not willing to give. That don't want to give, don't want to share. And he says, look, I've seen people who had a lot, but they were stingy and they ended up with po- in poverty. Now, observation of life can take us all over the place. But this is simply there in the scripture to remind us that giving is part of managing money in God's way. It's part of acknowledging the fact that what I have is given to me. And I acknowledge that by turning loose of it myself and passing it on. And somebody else passes it, gives to me. And this thing cycles. I was in Atlanta uh, airport on my way home from Honduras the other week, and uh, I, went, I was thirsty. I thought I would buy a drink, and I thought, well, I'm in, Coke. I'm, in, I'm in Atlanta. I'll buy Coke in honor of Coca-Cola, you know? So I went to a little deli thing there and got a Coke and went to pay for it, and they wouldn't take cash. They, wanted, they just wanted a credit card. Well, I can be stubborn. And <laughs> I decided... I did not want to pay for a Coca-Cola with a credit card. Just thought it was ridiculous and nonsense, and it made me angry anyway that they wouldn't take my cash. And so I said, I forget it, and I put it back, and I went to another little deli and said, hey, you take cash? Nope. Uh, Went to another and another, and nobody in the whole airport would take cash. And and finally somebody, I I said to one lady, I said, why is it you won't take cash? And she said, well... It's a company policy. I said, I understand that. Why is your company have that policy? And they said, because there's so much employee theft that uh, they can't keep any money because it comes in and the employees steal it. And so they went to this policy of just only credit card. I said, isn't that a bummer? All I want is a Coke. And somebody stealing money has to shut me down. But I'm not paying for the credit card. So uh, she said, go to restaurant. Restaurants, I think, take cash. So I found this, a Chipotle, I think it was. So I went there, and I got my little Coke, and I stood in line, and I went to pay for it. And they said, no cash, we don't take cash. <laughs> and I said, well, what kind of a deal is this? I'm sick and tired of this. I'm putting this back on the shelf. I am not going to buy this. And some lady in the back of the line says, I'll pay for it. Go ahead, go, go ahead and take. I said, no, I will not do that. She said, I insist. I think it's ridiculous too. But I'm paying for a bunch of other stuff with the credit card. I'll just throw the Coke in on that. And uh, so it was kind of funny. It was kind of bizarre. But here was a giver. Here was a woman that said, just put it on my bill. I don't care. I, she, said, she said to the lady, I think he's right. He's got a point. I agree with him. I'll pay for his, for his drink. And, uh, and so... It's, it's, all, it's all part of acknowledging this position or this perspective of God. Here uh, is another principle or idea that I think the scripture gives to us. We have to be very careful in our managing of money not to take on more than we can legitimately handle. There's a balance, I understand, between trusting God to make possible to live big, to, to achieve big dreams on the other hand, being foolish and just not even understanding 
reality. And so in our spending, we can overload the foundation. Here's a verse in Proverbs. It's not about money, but it is about money. It says, um, when you don't lack self-control, you're like a city, but the walls, the secure part, the walls are falling down. If you can't say no, or if you will not say no, I, I, I won't pay for that with my credit card. Now that, that's, just a foolish, that's just a funny example. Um, because that, that really, but in the end, I was sticking to a principle that uh, I was trying to make them say, look, we, we acknowledge your, your, your gripe, Mr. Raleigh, that here, we'll take your cash in your, in your case, but they wouldn't do it. But this says, you know, uh, that you're like a broken down wall, you're like a house it got too heavy and its foundation crumbled. You know I mean, the walls are just too big and thick. And uh, that this is uh, how some people spend money. They spend money they don't have, and then they they can't meet their legitimate obligations. Uh, so this also impacts or affects how much or how how much or how I should should borrow money or do credit. And and one of the one of the t- principles about managing money that the Bible gives us. Here's an example of it, and the Bible mentions this a number of other places, is that we should learn to be content so that we're not just borrowing money and buying anything that's possible because we're discontented, and we want it, and we want it now. Many places in the Bible it says God honors those who wait. God brings gifts, and God brings resources to those who are willing to trust him and and be patient until he provides it in his way and in his timing. Sometimes God's way of giving it involves his timing of giving it. And the timing is after a while, but our desire is right now. And so, um, uh, well, that's not exactly what this verse is saying, is it? This verse... This verse isn't talking about waiting. I thought this was a different verse. Uh, this verse is talking about the fact that sometimes it's better to have less than more. If you can only have more with great turmoil in your life, it's not worth having more. Sometimes having a little is better when you can honor the Lord and honor your neighbor and so forth. Here's, uh, here's a, another verse about debt. And this doesn't tell us not to go in debt. This doesn't say it's never legitimate to borrow money, to borrow from institutions or to borrow from individuals. Um, What it says is that we should pay our debts. So if we borrow, then we as Christians are obligated in order to manage our money and to please God, we're obligated to make the efforts. And and it may be like Cindy and my bread yesterday. We may try and it, we may have troubles, and, and it doesn't always work smoothly, but having a plan and working on it and being committed to it is very different than just sort of going out here and borrowing and borrowing and borrowing with no real idea or concern about how I can pay it back. That's when uh, people have, have harsh consequences in their life. So he says, look, you got a debt? Okay. Don't let it sit there. Work on it. The only debt that should ever always be with you from the day you're born to the day you die, he says, is a debt to love each other. 
And you never get over that one. You never get past that one. You can pay and pay and pay on that one and you still owe to other people. Because others have loved you. God has first loved us and so we ought also to love him. Um, coming down here to a second A is this statement that I put here. Always manage or always seek to separate your needs from your wants. I think this has to do with the issues of budgeting, where that's what budgeting is. It's sitting down and trying to say, here's my needs. And uh, other things are probably wants, and so I'm going to plan how I can cover my needs, and then if I have left, I can have things I maybe want but don't particularly need. And so um, there's, there's principles in Scripture like this verse that says, look, you give you don't just walk out the door in the morning. You don't just open the refrigerator and hope something falls out. You give thought to your steps. That's what I'm calling budgeting. Budgeting is I'm sitting down and I'm thinking, and maybe I'm writing stuff down. It's, it's different. Everybody may have a different system that works. But you got to have a system. That's giving thought to your steps. It's actually planning. It's actually managing. It's actually trying to picture my needs and my income and seeing how it is that I can make those things match. And the Bible also says that part of managing money uh, is to even work on saving so that you're not just opening the refrigerator door and seeing what falls out, but you actually know that if there's nothing in the refrigerator, you've got something in a pantry you can put in the refrigerator because uh, you have... You have saved something. I often think about the verse in Proverbs. It talks about the little ants and how wise they are. And it says they store up provisions in the summer for the winter. That's saving. It's, it's using anything in excess now. Uh, it's, it's, it's handled in a wise way for what might come later when you may not have that. And, and here's a verse in Proverbs that is so powerful. It says the wages of the wise person or the righteous person bring them life. There's many ways that that might work itself out. There might be many ways that you can apply that idea. But the wages of a person are not, uh, it says if you're a righteous person, you don't just blow it. You don't just mow through it and wonder where it was and what it was and what it was and where it went. It brings you something. It delivers something. There's a pipeline. There's a plan. There's, there's something that in the end you can say, my wages produce something in my life. I can show you something that is a result of uh, my talent or my time or my work or my, whatever. Um, I, I can, you know, it's, it's sort of like the parable we talked about this last week that Jesus told where the two guys who had had a resource given to them, can show the, the, they could show the, the owner uh, something that they had done. The third guy that just took his money, it says, and buried it in the ground, he had nothing to show for it. There, there, there was nothing there with what he had, from what he had been given. So this says, look, the wages of righteous person, the person that wants to honor God and manage money in his way, there's something to show something. This, uh, I, I hope, goes without saying that, that the world is complex. 
and there's none of us that know everything or that have you know all of the all of the smarts or all the all the resources that we could not improve who we are or what we do by helping by the advice of other people so there's there's verses in the scripture that tell us that we need to uh, listen to and accept instructions, and not just instructions, but accountability. That's a big deal. If you're having trouble with money, if managing money isn't your good suite, and it's not for everybody. It's not the gift that God gives to everybody. Some people need lots of help. Some people don't know, have the first clue about how to manage money, spend money, invest money, or, or use money. That's okay if you're humble and willing to get others to help you, then you can still, you can still survive. You can still be okay. I, I want to say this, and then I'm done. Um, it's been my sad, sad experience uh, to see at times how money divides families and how people fight over money and how money often interferes with relationships. I've seen this so many times. And I've seen it in marriages. I have seen um, marriages where, uh, where the one partner says, uh, let's say they're considering buying, purchasing something, and the one partner says, oh yeah, and the other one says, no. And the one who says, oh yeah, basically says, <laughs> and elbows them out of the way. And instead of saying, listen baby, we're in this together or we're not in this at all. If this is such a strenuous objection to you that you are absolutely opposed to us spending this money in this way to prove to you that you are more important to me than all the money in the world, I will not proceed. That is elevating the relationship over, over the, um, the money. When, uh, in a case of a, something like that in a marriage, where the one says, I don't care what you say, I'm going to spend my money like this. I'm going to spend our money like this. I'm going to have this. And then the message that comes through is, is, has a lot to do with the fact that you really care more about that stuff than you do about me. And, and so the money then, unfortunately, becomes an, uh, an issue over which there's a lot of resentment and a lot of discord. And I understand that every situation is different. And sometimes... There are needs to spend money that are not even purchasing items. It's not like I'm going to buy something, but because of circumstances or situations that have, have not, not anything to do with, um, with, with my spending, I still didn't have the need of money or I still need to use this money. Every situation is different. And sometimes, this is again why we need to involve other people and have cooler heads. But all I'm saying is, in managing money in, in a way that's pleasing to God, don't let the money become a factor that disables a relationship, especially in your family or especially in your marriage. I, I love to read this verse and I smile every time I read it. And every time I think, well, I don't have a lot of money, but God still occupies me with gladness of heart. I don't even think about myself half the time. I don't even think, because I'm just having such fun living life that I don't think about what all a lot of the problems are or could be. And that's what this is saying. Um, and this is, this is actually tying it to the enjoyment of the benefits and the blessings, and the finances that God gives to people. 
And he says, look, to be able to be able to have whatever you can you have because of money that you've been able to purchase something. To be able to enjoy it, not just to have it, but to enjoy it, is a gift of God. Some people can have it and they can't enjoy it. I remember watching a guy one time uh, take a cane and bust up a coffee maker and then bust up a blender and then went across his counter and basically whatever was sitting on his counter and he ended up punching a hole in the wall. He, wasn't, he had all kinds of stuff, and he wasn't enjoying any of it. He didn't even, you know, in that moment, he was just expressing the fact that he was angry and he was upset. And there was no gladness in his heart. But this is saying, look, if you let, if you let the Lord's perspective guide and help you to manage, then whatever you have or whatever you don't have, he can keep you occupied with gladness of heart. Okay, I'm punching and nothing else coming, so I guess that's telling me I'm at the end. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we rejoice in what you give us. We will be content and seek to find ways to be content and find ways both to bless you and bless other people, whether we have lots of money or whether we have little money, because it is not the main priority or focus of our life. That will be you. And we thank you today that you can have said to us, look, if you put me first, I'll take care of the money part. And I will not only provide for you what you need, but I will, I will give you so much seed that you can sow your own and you can still give away to others. And all will know that the giver of the seed is more to be blessed than the harvest that comes from the seed. We honor you today. And we pray that you will help us in our, our, our budgeting, our investing, our managing, and in our relationships that we can somehow never allow money to divide what you have brought together. You've said, what I've joined together, don't let man separate. And we're, gonna, we're saying this morning, what you bring together, we're not going to let money separate either. Because... Uh, because it's not so important as the love and the affection that we can give to one another. So we pray for your help and we thank you for it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.